I was enjoying in, in Beulah, the song Dwelling in Beulah Land, uh, the praise God, man, that was an assertive praise God. I like that. It's good stuff. All right, Psalm chapter 23, um, we'll be in verse number 4 again, and dealing with the last part of this verse, we'll read the entire psalm, beginning in verse number 1. I'm going to read verse number 1, and then you join me out loud on verse number 2, and then we'll rotate. I'll read the odd verses, you read me, join me out loud on the even verses. So verse number 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So tonight we'll be back in verse number four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So the thought tonight, the title for tonight's message is this. The tools the shepherd uses to comfort his sheep. The tools the shepherd uses to comfort his sheep. Let's pray. Father, thank you very much for your grace and your mercy in our lives. And just pray that you would help tonight that you would speak to us. Thank you for being who you are, which is so far above what we can comprehend. And God, thank you for being interested in us and condescending to us who are of low estate. And then, Father, thank you for your word, which we'll talk about tonight. And Father, I pray that you would help us to value it and to benefit from it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. It is possible to have some really weird dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you wake up and you're like, what in the world? I just come out of the twilight zone right there? Uh, you know, some of you know what I'm talking about, or you're related to someone who knows what I'm talking about. And uh, sometimes you can hear about somebody's dream, and just hearing about it wigs you out. Like, oh, stop. Stop talking about this, please. (laughs) Sometimes dreams can be terrifying. And uh, you can, you have enough, I don't understand how this works, but you have enough, you have enough consciousness while you're sleeping, and the dreams seem so, so real, that real fear sets in. And then as you, as you come to actually being awake and awareness, you can still feel that, ter- that being terrified, and sometimes you're sweating or you're shaking or your heart rate is up. And you see that happen a lot of times with little kids. I remember the, the recurring terrifying dream, which is what happens with a lot of people. I dreamed when I was a kid that I was falling. 
And uh, I would, it felt like I was actually hitting the ground. And then I'd wake up in my bed and I'd just be like, Daddy, Mommy. Uh. You, know, you know how it goes. Or maybe you don't. But it just, just that fear. And it's like an endless, you're just endlessly uh, plummeting down into this abyss. And you're just falling and it's terrifying. Or you have some kind of dream that the chihuahua is going to eat you. Or that the spider Whatever your phobia is, that the spider or the snake, uh, some of the boys found a snake at men and boys camp out, which is a great thing for boys to find, hallelujah. But some of the men aren't as fond of snakes as others are. And so you have those kind of things go on, and, and some with spiders, and I've had some fun experiences with spiders and people at church, and so it's just... All kinds of things that we can be afraid of. But I remember as a parent, or excuse me, as a child, and then seeing the opposite side of this as a parent, that the thing that would comfort me the most when I was waking up from a really scary dream was the voice of my mom or my dad. That word from them would help to soothe my terrified spirit. And just to feel them put their arms around me and to hear them say, it's okay, it's okay, it's just a dream, you don't have to be afraid. The word comfort, it says in verse number four, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The, the idea is to ease or to alleviate a person's feeling of grief or distress. Now, it's not the idea that it removes anything and remember or anything that troubles you. Remember in verse number four, it begins with we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now. And as we dealt with last week, it is a process and it's temporary in light of eternity. And as children of God, we've constantly have to keep that in front of us, that whatever valleys we find ourselves in, they are only temporary for God's people. But as you go through these valleys, as you go through the different and varying degrees of darkness and sorrow and difficulty, the varying degrees of hurt and loneliness, of fear and frustration, and you go through all these different valleys that we can find ourselves in, there's not a promise that God is going to remove them or remove us from them exactly when we want them to be removed. We are going to go through valleys. And how long we go through those valleys, oftentimes is, it's left up to the determination and the care of the shepherd. And there are things that we can't understand. There are things that are allowed to take place in our lives for which there are no explanation. There are decisions that people make that can result in difficulty being extended and, and we don't have control all over all of those things. But even in situations where the difficulty in the valley seems to drag on endlessly. Like a nightmare that you just can't wake up from. Have you ever had one of those? Like you know you're, you know you're dreaming. And you know you're scared. And I just want to wake up. I mean I've had them where I know I am calling out for somebody, but I can't, I can't get the voice out, and I'm trying to wake up, but I just, for whatever reason, I don't understand how all of this works, I know I'm weird, 
but it just, it just won't end. And there are valleys like that sometimes. How long does this have to hurt? How long does this have to be hard? How long? And you say, Pastor, I agree. In light of eternity that we go through, and in in the message last week, the truth, I I agree with that, that we should be careful about making decisions with long-term consequences when we're dealing with temporary valleys that we have to guard ourselves against that. I agree with that, but this valley that I'm in, it seems to go on and on and on like a nightmare that simply will not end. And yet we're told that in these valleys, however dark and however long the valley seems to be, that there is comfort. Not not that the thing that causes the pain is completely removed, but that our fear or what we struggle with can be alleviated, can find relief, can find help. Another part of the meaning, it's described this way, to improve the mood of or to restore a sense of well-being. This is, what it, this is how I visualize it. My mom or my dad, when I'm laying in my bed crying, putting their arms around me and saying this, you're going to be okay. And just to know, to know that I am going to be okay. No, I, I still have to go through these things as a child of God. I still have to face these valleys. I still have to face these darknesses. You know, we've got a heavy and extensive prayer list, and we only talked about a fraction of it tonight. And yes, there are things for which my heart hurts on behalf of the people of God and and people who aren't saved and the things that they're going through. And it, it makes my heart hurt. And I can only imagine how the hearts of those actually going through it are hurting And there will be those times and there are those moments and there are those valleys and the darkness seems to extend. And yet even in those times, there is a means by which the good shepherd comforts his sheep even in those moments. Oh, you might know this already, but a fact about a shepherd is that because of the necessity of traveling and being mobile, especially in ancient times and even today, They needed to travel very light. The flocks were constantly moving. And so it's not like they were carrying 70, 80, 100 pound packs. That they learned learned how to travel with as little as possible. And to be in order to be able to survive. But one one of the chief concerns for a shepherd was obviously the protection of his sheep from predators and was being able to get them out of situations where their, their lives were in danger. Because you know this about sheep, that they have a propensity to wander. And you have other situations, which we'll mention momentarily. And so you needed something that would help you to fend off. You needed a tool that would help you to fend off predators. And you needed a tool that would help you to rescue sheep when they found themselves to be in danger. And that's what's referenced here as the source of comfort to the sheep. It's almost as though the sheep is, is looking to the good shepherd. And he sees the good shepherd there holding this tool or these tools that are referenced here. 
And as the sheep looks at the shepherd, and, and then the sheep looks around, and he sees the ominous valley that he's going through, but then he sees the shepherd. He sees the tool that the shepherd is holding, and not just the tool, but the way that the shepherd uses the tool. And, it, and it's a reminder to him that I am going to be okay. I can't explain all of the darkness around me. I can't, I can't make sense of all of the pain that I'm going through right now. I, there are questions for which I don't have answers, and maybe in this life I won't have answers. And I don't understand all the different reasons why this person was allowed to do this to me, or I've been deprived of this, or I've gone through this. I don't understand all of those things, but I can look at my shepherd, and by experience, I know the way that he uses those tools It is a help to me and it's a comfort and it's a reminder to me that in my life, I know on this journey, even in the valley, I am going to be okay. That doesn't mean that the valley is easy. But sometimes, and and this is how it is for people without God, and even for some of God's children, they go through the valleys of life with no clue for someone who rejects the idea of God it's just a random event and it just stinks life's miserable and I have no idea what what to make of all of this it's just lame it's hard but a child of God can know that even even in dark times even when things happen that I don't like I can look at my shepherd and see how he uses these specific things that he provides for my benefit and I can know He uses them to help me remember. He uses them to help me remember. I am going to be okay. Let me show you the tool. This is a shepherd's staff. The text calls it thy rod and thy staff. This one's special to me. And you should remember it. Last time you saw it, there was a transition happening up here. And look at this and just reminds, it reminds me of how over my head I am. (laughs) And yet, how it's going to be okay. (laughs) Um, So two things are mentioned. And uh, there's a part of this I don't don't have perfect clarity on, and and I'll explain that to you in a a minute. The first first is a rod. You read about shepherds in the Middle East and young boys who were brought up to follow their father's and their grandfathers in that craft, they, they would have some type of a tool. It would be similar to a club. And they, from a very young age, they, they would pick these clubs or these rods out, and they would be formed to fit the hand of the one who was going to use it exactly. And they would find the perfect kind of branch or limb, sapling, and then take it through this curing process. And then they would spend countless hours learning how to throw that club. And you say, well, what would be the purpose for that? And I'm not saying it was this way with, this way with every single shepherd, but in Middle Eastern practices, even some shepherding practices in Africa, like David would have used the, the sling, the stone in the sling, spend hours practicing with that. Um, they would spend hours learning how to use a rod, some type of a club weapon, as, as a weapon. And part of it was learning how to swing it quickly. And I read the story of a shepherd boy who was helping a man, and they were trying to move a boulder uh, to help in some livestock process. And out from underneath that boulder, a cobra came out, 
uh, towards this man. And, uh, but this young, this young teenage shepherd boy had, was so proficient with this club, in one quick swing, he took the snake out and killed him just like that. And they, it was a defensive weapon against predators. Oftentimes, predators would attack sheep. And you know how when you have large herds, you can't be everywhere at one time. And the importance of throwing it was so that when there was a predator that was coming and you knew that I can't run as fast as that, as that bear or that lion or that wolf, but it's coming, then you would take that club and you would launch it. And at the very least, it would deter it. And you say, well, I don't know how effective that could be. Well, the stone David slung was pretty effective against Goliath. And you're like, well, that was just a one-time deal. I understand there was some divine intervention in that, but they were good at chucking stuff. And I know this, you wouldn't want anybody hitting you in the head with something like that. In fact, I take this bad boy out and I throw it, some people are going to be ducking. You don't want to get whacked, even from this puny effort to be a shepherd. So the, the rod would refer to this end. As best as I can understand. And, re, and get this in mind. It, it could incur great violence. But the purpose was never to hurt the sheep. It was to protect them. No, this was chucked at the predator. It was never meant to hurt the sheep. It's a tool of violence. Brings death keeps things at bay that can do great harm, but it's never intended to hurt the sheep. Then you have this side, the staff. Thy rod and thy staff, and as it's described by shepherds themselves, you, you pick out a limb or a branch and you, ha- you form this hook in it. And I'll get into more of how they used it, but it, it's used, it would be used to guide And when we're talking about guiding, the way that they guide sheep, it wasn't by whacking them. When a sheep would start to wander, they would place it against their side and just apply a little pressure. Sometimes when you have a large flock, uh, the little lambs can get separated from the dams, from the moms. And working through all of those flocks, a shepherd would reach out and he would catch a little lamb and gently pull it over to its mom. When a sheep was bearing the signs of being sick, and we talked about this previously, but a shepherd would go through the wool, and he would often use his staff to peel back the different layers of wool so he could see all the way down to the, to the sheep's skin and see if there were abrasions, wounds, or marks. With this one tool, and it's possible the rod and staff, it's possible it was two different tools. It's also possible that it was like a multi-tool. I was thinking like the man, dads, that's what we give away at West Valley for Father's Day. Give away a multi-tool. We got multi-tools all over the house. Swi- uh, the Swiss, Swiss knife, am I saying that right? Um, Swiss army knife, you got the Gerber knives. You got the crazy dude who goes out and you can get his stuff. I mean, um, all those kinds of things. And you got these multi-tools. Like, I need a toothpick, I need a pair of tweezers, I need some clippers, I need some pliers, I need a saw blade, and I need a knife, and I need a can opener. I mean, it's a multi-tool. To me, this is just a stick that symbolizes a whole lot of responsibility. But in the hands of a capable shepherd, it's a tool of violence to keep away predators. Predators. 
It's a tool used to bring those who are straying back. It's a tool used to reunite those who've gotten off track. It's a tool used to rescue. It's a tool used to survey the condition. Now, number one... It's not even a main thought of this, but I want to remind you that the good shepherd has a rod and a staff, and the purpose is never to hurt you. You know, sometimes the pain that we feel in our lives, we feel because we go through attacks and we have to be rescued out of them. Sometimes the pain that we feel is because we get off track and we reap those consequences. But in all of those situations, there is a shepherd who has a, a rod and a staff and it's there for our good. And so I was thinking about what God has given us that he uses in these same ways in our lives and I, I understand that there, there's multiple things that God uses in our lives, but the, the one constant, and I want to remind you of this, I was uh, reminded of this on Sunday. I was having a conversation with someone about a note they had written to Alexandra upon her graduation, and, and the statement said, the best piece of advice I can give to you is to know and love the Word of God. And in our lives, the Word of God is like a rod and a staff that brings comfort to us through every valley that we go through. I want you to think about these things. Number one, just some things that a shepherd would use the rod and the staff for in the same way Jesus uses the word of God in our lives. He gathers us just like the shepherd would gather the young lambs, sometimes the shepherd would pull a sheep as it was walking along. He would use it to gather it to himself and just walk a little closer to it. He, the shepherd uses that to keep the sheep close to him. The word of God gathers people to Christ himself. He gathers us in salvation. Think about what the Bible says, that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to convict and to lay open and to expose our need for Jesus Christ. The re Listen, it, it, it happens, it, the way we become aware happens in different ways, but in every instance, whether you know it or not, the word of God is involved in making you aware of your need for Jesus Christ. You say, well, I don't remember the reference that was quoted. Nobody gets saved without truth of the word of God being given to them. In Matthew 11, 20, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor. Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus. Sirs, what must I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I think about the great truth in Romans and in Ephesians about the grace involved in salvation Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think about the awareness that happens when you take a sinner 
and you, you show them, it, someone who is lost, you show them the truth of the word of God, how that we're all sinners. And you, you've heard people make statements like this, you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as them. But then you show them how that them are not the standard, and I am not the standard, and you are not the standard. And you lay open the word of God to them and show them how that God has given the, this revelation of himself, and he is the standard. And as a result, we all come short of that. And it's amazing to watch someone get saved when the awareness of their own insufficiency begins to kick in. It's amazing to see that happen. You know how that happens? It's the word of God. It's not you. It's not because me. No, it's the word of God that draws them. And then as the, the uh, reality of guilt and sin sets in, you point them to Jesus Christ and the promise of the word of God that salvation is not about coming to a church. It's not about fulfilling a religious code. It's not about doing more good than bad. It is simply receiving the gift of, uh, the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. What do I have to do to be saved? Don't complicate this. It's hard enough for people to admit they're sinners. Don't complicate it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what you have. You know who does that? The Word of God does that. And then the Word of God keeps us close. Gathers us. It's amazing just to read your Bible sometimes and it's almost like the Heavenly Father is just wrapping His arms around you. just reminding you, I've still got you. I still got you, and it's going to be okay. I don't ever get tired of passages out of like John 10 that talk about the security of the believer. It's another reference to sheep, as a matter of fact, coincidentally. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. It gathers us. God uses the staff of his word to guide us. Sometimes sheep can begin to wander, and, and as I mentioned already, he doesn't take it and whack them with it. It can feel like that, but that's more a reflection of us. You're like, well, when you're preaching, it feels like that. No, it's the spirit of God sometimes. I'm not, sometimes it may just be me, and that's not a good thing. But he'll gently press that upon us, and he'll apply just, he'll apply just the right amount of pressure. And that sheep, if it's going to do what's it, what is best for it, it's going to yield and it's going to say, I, I know I can be, I know I have a propensity to wonder. I think about Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And there are times when we're bent on going this way or bent on going that way and we sit down to read our Bible or a friend speaks some of the word of God into our focus or we hear preaching or teaching somehow the word of God. It, it reveals to us, man, that we're just, we're not thinking right about this or we need wisdom and God gives clarity. Now I've heard great testimonies from people here 
that they were, they were wrestling with some significant decisions and just trying to understand what God wanted them to do about their life. And as they spent time in the Word of God and, and were honest with the Lord, they felt the, the pressure of that rod and that staff, the Word of God, not the beating, not the bruising of it, but the pressure of it just being applied and understanding this is what I need to do and this is to my benefit. And God's Word will... He will give us direction through it. He reminds us of who he is and how we should be living our lives. The word of God is a protection to us. Jesus, if you'll remember this, Jesus responded to the great deceiver using the word of God when he was being tempted of Satan. It is written. And if it was good for Jesus, it'll certainly be good for us. You say, how does, how does it protect us? Well, we, I was just talking with my kids last night during our family Bible time, reminding them that there are good consequences. I think it was Psalm 128 or something like that. Just reminding them, in life, there are good consequences. And you can have certain good things if you'll live your life in a certain way. But there are also warnings I mean, there are, there are things that God says, I will judge, that, that my blessing isn't going to be upon this. There will be negative consequences for those things. And so young people, when you hear some kind of teaching or preaching, and sometimes it seems really intense, or as adults, we hear something that's coming out from a passionate heart, and it seems really intense, and a warning from the Word of God is being heralded out, we need to consider that maybe perhaps the reason for the intensity is to keep us from potential danger, and that the Word of God is meant to keep us safe from those things that would threaten our welfare and the spiritual welfare of our children, of our families, of our marriages, of our own relationship with God, of our church. It's for our protection. But it's also protection from those enemies that creep in within that sometimes we can get depressed or we can doubt or we can be afraid. I love 1 John 2, 1. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. You know how we know that? Because the Word of God tells us that we have that. Sometimes I can get really bummed out about my own stupidity. I can get really bummed out about where I'm not perfect. And you know how it is. Satan's a master. You don't even know where it comes from but of bringing things up from the past. Hey, hey, hey. And it's good. You open the word of God and you just, you just confess in tears sometimes. God, I know I'm not innocent. And yet he takes you, he reminds you of a passage like that, that you have an advocate. Whoever, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then he rescues us. Sheep can often get themselves into precarious situations. One of the commentaries I'm reading, the, the author was a shepherd for a long time. And he had a particular sheep who would consistently get too close to the edge of a cliff. And, and it was along the ocean, would fall off into that ocean. And more than once, he had to climb down on that cliff and use, use that staff to hook that sheep and bring her back in. 
over and over. I'm thankful for how many times God has used his word to pull me out of messes that I was getting into. You know, some of you were swimming in an ocean of sinfulness and foolishness. Just stubborn, bleeding, not bleeding, bleating. And then you heard a message preached. Or someone said something to you about the truth of the word of God. And it began to set in. And what you didn't realize, but what was happening was that shepherd was reaching out. And he was pulling you in. He rescues us. He can pull us out of despair. He can pull us out of the hopelessness when we struggle with something. He can remind us great passages like 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think about Romans 8, 28, when people are going through great sorrow. And just like we're talking about on Sunday morning with the life of Joseph, I'm so excited, the Lord willing, for a couple of weeks just a, a couple more messages about how this, the, the Lord willing, how this, this series is going to end up and some incredible examples from our own day about how God has worked. And yet in those moments, it can be, there can be great devastation and great sorrow and we can almost feel ourselves drowning in our grief. And yet the truth of the word of God will reach out to us in moments like that and pull us back to the safety, the certainty of our shepherd's care. The rod and the staff of the word of God is one of the chief means by which the good shepherd comforts his sheep by keeping the enemy at bay and keeping his sheep close. Let me give you just a, a few thoughts and we'll be done. Number one, make sure you're listening to the word of God, especially when it's hard to hear. The times when I've needed to hear it, are times when I did not want to hear it. You know, sometimes, sometimes you're, you might be sitting in here and you just got a heart full of pride. And it doesn't matter what I say, how I say it, you're just not going to like it. And it's not a reflection on who's saying it. And it's not a reflection on how it's being said. And it's not a reflection on what's being said. It's a reflection on who is hearing it and the heart condition. There are times that truth confronts us. It confronts our ego. It confronts our self-sufficiency. It confronts our rebellious spirit. There are times when it is hard to hear. Sometimes it's hard to hear because we are hopeless. And we're just afraid. And we, and we say, yeah, God, I, I, I mean, I guess I believe that can be true on an intellectual level. But God, right now, I'm just, I'm just so afraid and so overwhelmed. And it's just hard to hear the truth of your comfort and your love when my life is so difficult right now. Sometimes it's hard to hear when God is trying to restore us. It's amazing how hard some people have of letting God get them close to him again. Yes, things like this. How can God love me? You know how? Because that's who he is. And yet we don't want to just submit to the restoring truth of the word of God. Listen to it, especially when it's hard to hear. Submit to it, even when you don't fully understand it. One of the great examples of this is Peter. In the boat, everybody's panicked. Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Come. That's God speaking his word. 
okay, <laughs> I love one of those moments where you open your mouth and it's like, to my own detriment. Well, I'm going to believe it, and so you step out. You're not always going to understand exactly why God's word tells us to do things. Okay, like this, that aren't natural to us. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's not always natural. And it's not always the thing we want to do or we understand. It's not always going to be easy to do that. And yet there are many of God's commands that when we do those things, even though we don't fully understand, that it will bring great help to our lives Last thing, and I'm done. Consistently make room for it in your life. So many people get so busy that we don't let God exercise his rod and his staff in our lives like we need to. And we just, man, we're out there doing our own thing and just, oh, just I got all this stuff going on. And we always have all this stuff going on. This part of living a productive life is having a lot of stuff going on. But make room for this. And you're doing it tonight. And it's a daily battle to make room for it. Let's all stand together. Thanks for your patience. Just be reminded that the Word of God is what He uses to comfort us, to rescue us, to guide us, to lead us, to protect us. It's that, it's that tool I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's the only tool, but it is a tool that he uses. It's never for our, it's never meant for our destruction. It's always meant for our good. So if God has spoken to your heart in some way, you be responsive to him. Maybe just come to the shepherd's feet. Ask him for some of that comfort. Lord, I pray that you'd help your people to respond if you have spoken to them and whether something to do with a decision or a situation or just a struggle in their own heart, God, help them to respond to you in Christ's name. Amen. While Brother Adam begins to sing, if you need to come and pray, you have opportunity to do that now.
right, you can direct your attention this way. For everyone that's at home, thank you so much for watching with us on the live stream tonight. It's great to have you with us. For everyone that's here, thanks so much for being a part of the service. Just as a reminder, for those that are planning to attend um, on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we're going to begin receiving an offering again, and we'll explain in more detail um, how that is. But just want people to, to bear that in mind. If you still prefer to give in other ways, that's fine. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We just want to incorporate that back into our services and slowly going to be implementing some things into our, our regular services. And so excited about that. Again, remember to pray for the people that we've mentioned tonight and just hold one another up in prayer. And as you're led to um, send some words of encouragement at different people's way and be a, be a help and a blessing to them. I know that, I know that it will. Say, I don't know what to say. If you know nothing else, just say, hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. And that can go a long way to be a help in people's lives. Brother Adam is going to come. We'll sing a dismissal course. And then I need a, I need a volunteer to come up and oversee the cleaning. Who's got that tonight? Someone is going to be, you, Carly will be up here. Thank you, Ms. Carly. After we sing this song, have a great night. All right, let's sing that chorus of He Keeps Me Singing. Here we go. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Amen. Have a great week. You are dismissed.